Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Super excited about this episode. Emma Lovewell. She is a Peloton instructor, an Under Armour athlete, and an all-around health and wellness expert. She's now the author of a new book, Live, Learn, Love Well. That's available at bookstores everywhere. From the terrific story of how she became a Peloton instructor to her process for preparing for her Peloton classes, to being an Under Armour athlete with the likes of Steph Curry and Tom Brady, to why she wrote a book. I think you're going to find this conversation fascinating. Emma is my favorite Peloton instructor. I've owned a Peloton since 2019. I take her classes regularly. She's part of my daily fitness routine, and it was really fun to have her on Sports Business Radio, so I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment is a division of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management dedicated to serving the unique and sophisticated needs of elite and professional athletes, entertainers, executives, creators, and other top talent and professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Visit morganstanley.com backslash GSE to learn more. I'm joined by birthday boy, Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, 44 now, so uh, I'm not quite up to where you're at, but getting closer every year. Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gaining on me. I mean, it's interesting how that works. Yeah. We're actually getting closer in age right? as, as we get older. I'm excited for the show today because, uh, you know, you and I both love Peloton. And I talk, talk about an industry that's changed, you know, especially with the COVID era and all that. I mean, Peloton has blown up and uh, we both love riding the bike. And I know they have some treadmills and other equipment. But, you know, I love getting behind the scenes of uh, with Emma, with the uh, being an instructor, because there's a lot of stuff we don't you see all the time, you see them doing their thing right. and, and their stu- studios and stages and everything they're doing, but how does that happen? So it was fun jumping in with her and learning behind the scenes of the Peloton instructor. So cool. Yeah. I love people's process. And we talk about that a lot on this show and we got to hear about Emma's process and look, I mean, she hustled, she moved to New York. She's been a model. She was a bartender. Like she has done a lot of things to get to where she is now, and she kind of walks us through that. So for people out there who are hustling right now and trying to make it to the big time like Emma has, 
um, I think you're going to get some inspiration from this conversation. But I love her reasoning for writing her book, too. Um, it's a great book. I've had an opportunity to read it. You know, she goes into a lot of stuff with um, just her path to where she is now, uh, her family. Look, we all have challenges coming up in our life, and Emma is no different. So uh, I thought it was cool that she was willing to share that and um, kind of share that with the readers. And um, I love it. So the other thing is, uh, you can watch this conversation with Emma Lovewell on the Sports Business Radio YouTube channel. If you're not subscribing to our Sports Business Radio YouTube channel, you should be doing so. You can watch a lot of our great interviews over there. And uh, this is one of those. So if you want to see Emma, um, yeah, head on over to our YouTube channel. Obviously, you can always listen to the Sports Business Radio podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We love it when you rate and review our podcast. We love five-star ratings. So if you feel obliged, please give us one of those. But we want to be in your podcast rotation. You'll get a new podcast from us every Tuesday. Just hit that plus sign in the upper right-hand corner on Apple Podcasts, and it'll be delivered to you every Tuesday. All right, Griggs, let's get to some headlines. The Denver Nuggets advance to their first ever NBA Finals. Shout out Declan Bolger, my friend, who's the chief marketing officer with Cronky Sports. This is exciting for Denver. I was just in Denver a few weeks ago, and you know the Nuggets have always been pretty good the last couple of years, but they've had injuries to Jamal Murray. Um, you know, there's never really been the circumstances where they were all healthy and all playing well together, but that's been the case. They just swept the Lakers and I'm excited for the Nuggets. And frankly, Griggs, as much as I love the Warriors and I love what they've built there, um, it's kind of fun to see a new team in the NBA finals. And look, Joker's been one of the best players in the NBA the last few years. Like, let's get him on the big stage like Giannis was able to a few years ago with the Bucs. And let's see him in that spotlight. And I think that's exciting for him. Jamal Murray, how'd you like to meet Jamal Murray? He averaged 30 points a game on 50, 40, 90 shooting. Griggs, any other year, that's MVP of the conference finals. Joker actually played better than that. And he got the MVP. So I'm sure Jamal Murray... Not upset that Joker got it, but like these two are playing at a very high level right now. Well, you see the value of having in the NBA having two stars on your team. I mean, you really need two players that can dominate a game and those two playing together. They, they know each other's game. They know where they're going to be on the court. Uh, man, they're fun to watch. Jamal is just so good off the dribble and can back in and do that fadeaway jumper, you know, a Jimmy Butler kind of style, too. But uh Man, I think I think it's great for Denver. Uh, sad for LA. Never fun to get swept in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, hey, I'm a Blazer fan. We've been swept a time or two, so <laughs> I've been there. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for Denver. First time in. It's gonna be a fun series, and then we'll find out tonight if uh, Miami can do the same thing and sweep Boston. All right. Also making news after the Lakers were swept, LeBron James hinted in his post game press conference that this may be it for him. Um, retirement on the table. Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report and TNT also reported this after the game. Griggs, I'm not buying it. Here's my reasoning. Number one is my therapist tells me, never make major decisions when you're in trauma. <laughs> I'm not trusting what LeBron is saying 15 minutes after they were eliminated and he's in a press conference. He hasn't really had a chance to reflect on things. Number two, 
LeBron is all about competing for championships at this point. I think this is a warning shot to Jeannie Buss and to Rob Palenka. Surround me with the championship team or I'm out. I'm not coming back to just fill seats. I'm not coming back to just run up and down the court for 82 games. I am coming back to win a championship. And if this roster isn't going to be a championship roster because they have decisions with Austin Reeves and um, some others on their roster, he didn't want to come back. And and frankly, I don't blame him. For people saying he's going to retire, sit out a year, and then come back somewhere else and play with Bronny, I don't even know if that's possible. I think the Lakers still have his rights. So, you know, they'd either have to trade him or something would have to go through the Lakers. I don't think LeBron can just retire and then come back a year later somewhere else and the Lakers get no compensation. Um, So I'm not sure about that talk, but Griggs, I'm not buying the LeBron. The the other thing is this. Look, LeBron is the self-anointed king. LeBron has been known to like the spotlight. If LeBron is out, he's going to take a victory lap for a year. He's going to have every team that he visits give him the king's throne, and he's going to sit in it and have the the crown put on him. Like It's going to be pomp and circumstance as he fades into the sunset. I don't think it's going to be this abrupt, and it's just going to be like, peace out. Now, would it be the smart thing to do? Yeah. I mean, he played at a really high level this year. He played at a very high level in this last game. Um, you know, there's always a chance that you come back and you can't play at that high level. So most athletes want to go out at a high level. Um, but I also find it hard to believe that LeBron's going to go out and end his career on a sweep, right? Like, I just don't see it. So I think LeBron's coming back for all the reasons I just mentioned. I'm not buying the retirement talk. What about you, Griggs? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you. I agree. I think he's just not the kind of guy that's going to go out on a sweep. I just don't think his mental capacity can go out on a sweep. And obviously he's not the 11th guy on the bench. I mean, he's balling. I mean, he had 20 plus points in the first quarter last last night's game. I mean, he still obviously can play basketball. So <laughs> it's not like he's limping down the court. He's still got the, uh, the, you know, the stamina and the strength to play in an NBA game. So yeah, I don't buy it either. I think he's back with the Lakers, but I like you, how you said, it's kind of like the, the, the shot to the management, like, Hey, we can't play with the same team again, obviously. So what are you going to do to keep me around and get me some players to get to the finals again. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I don't think he's leaving. Yeah, and he can't be the number one option anymore. That has to be someone else. He's he's 38, going to be 39. Like, he can't be the number one option anymore. This is not 25-year-old LeBron James. Yeah. So he could be a really good number two on a team. He can't be the number one. You can't play him, you know, 45 minutes a night. Um, all right. In the East... The Miami Heat, as we record this, are on the verge of a sweep as well. They're up three zip on the Celtics. And Griggs, the Celtics got pounded in game three. It looked like they quit. Yeah. And a lot of people are wondering, have they quit on head coach Joe Missoula? Um, you know, there's people out there that uh, wonder why Missoula was made the head coach of this team in the first place. He was in the second row on the bench last year. Some people in Boston call him second row Joe. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it's fair to him because he was kind of thrust into this situation instead of Brad Stevens either returning to the bench or finding one of the seasoned coaches who were out there on the market, like a Frank Vogel. Um, but, you know, they are where they are right now. And I think the Celtics are at a crossroads and they're wondering, is it just a coach? If we made a coaching change, could things get better? We've got Jason Tatum. We've got Jalen Brown. Um, do we build around them? Or 
is this a blow it up situation? And, you know, it's interesting. You look at the Phoenix Suns, you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, you look at some of these teams that had great regular seasons and they're starting to wonder like, okay, we need a coach. And also, do we need to reshape our roster? But I'll tell you this, Griggs, the one thing that the Miami Heat have proven here is you don't need a team full of superstars to get to the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler is the only true superstar on that team. Bam Adebayo is very good, and he's getting better every day. He is not a superstar. This is not Jokic and Murray, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We're both superstars. This is not KD and Booker. This isn't, you know, I don't even know if AD is a superstar anymore, but it's not AD LeBron. They have a bunch of dogs on that team. They have a bunch of undrafted players who have been undervalued and underestimated. And these dudes are playing their, you know, what's off right now. And they have a system and a culture and they know at the end of a close game, give the ball to Jimmy, set some good screens and get out of the way. Like he took over game two against Grant Williams at the end of that game. When you have a player on your team like that, like Kobe used to be able to do or MJ, who can take over a game at the end, you just got to keep it close. Mm -hmm. And the Heat have been able to keep these games close. They're really good in close ball games of five points or less. And, you know, I think Denver will be the heavy favorite in the NBA Finals, but who's betting against the Heat at this point? They will become the first number eight seed to advance to the NBA Finals ever. Coach Spo is the best coach in the NBA. He can make adjustments better than any other coach. And frankly, in this Celtic series, I mean, again, I feel bad for Joe Mazzulla because you're going up against one of the great coaches of all time. And, you know, you're in your rookie year as a head coach. And you basically found out right before the season started that you were going to be the head coach because of the M.A. Adoka uh, situation where he was let go by the Celtics. So it's going to be interesting to see. But. You know, if you're an owner of one of these NBA teams, you're putting a lot of pressure on your GM and your coach saying, hey, look what they just did in Miami. Like that is not a superstar laden roster. If we can get a team full of cohesive players who play together in a system and who play together as a unit, all we need is a superstar. Like I look at Portland differently now. I got to tell you, Griggs, you know, you've got Dame Lillard. You've got some other nice pieces. Dame can close games. What makes the Miami Heat that much different than the Portland Trailblazers? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously the coach, right? Like, right. Conti is nowhere near the coach that Eric Spolster is. The culture that exists in Miami. But if you've got a Dame Lillard to build around and you can get some pieces like the Miami Heat have done to surround Dame with, like Miami did with Jimmy Butler, I don't think it's so far-fetched anymore to say we can't get to the NBA Finals unless we have a big three or unless we have a big four. Like, I just don't think those days are are here anymore. Well, yeah, and I think when you can get, like you mentioned, coaching, when you this is where coaching matters, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it with Boston. We're seeing it with Miami. Like, what a difference. And, and Spo just, you. I love watching him during a game. Arms crossed, just watching and studying the game, taking it all in, like, okay, I'm learning from this game. How can I adjust in the next quarter, in the next half? And that's just fascinating. He's such a fun coach to watch. And you're right. I think NBA especially is a team sport. You've got to have a star or two, but man, when you have those other three, four, five pieces, it doesn't matter who they are. I mean, Miami is just, they are clicking. They love each other. They're all each other. They're all in for each other. And it shows. And I agree. Your, your statement on the Blazers, like, yeah, why is this any different? Why can't, why can't you get there? Well, culture, management, 
coaching plays a big role, especially right. in the playoffs and the finals. Right, right. Yeah, so I want to be clear. I don't put the Blazers in anywhere near the category as the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat are a much better organization than yes. the Portland Trail Blazers, who I used to work for, so that's why I'm bringing them up, and, and we live in Portland. But you have Dame Lillard, who is a clutch player, and you could build around him, but it is so hard to, first of all, identify talent like the Heat have, and then develop the talent, right? I mean, I love the interview with Caleb Martin the other day before uh, game three on NBA on TNT, and he basically had to get a tryout. Jay Cole called Karan Butler, the assistant coach with the Miami Heat, and said, look, this dude can play. Yep. Can you please give him a tryout? So they give him a tryout. They put him on a two-way contract. Now this guy is like scoring 25 and 20 points in the conference finals. Gabe Vincent, the point guard, he's not afraid of anything. So you've got Kyle Lowry, who makes all the money, who's on the bench. And you've got Gabe Vincent starting for the Heat and playing really well. These guys are not afraid of the big moment. They have worked hard to get to this moment, kind of like our guest Emma Lovewell this week. Um, and I think they're ready for the big stage. So if the Heat lose, it's not going to be because they're not prepared and because they're afraid of the spotlight. It'll be because they just lost to a better team. And, and you know, for the record, LeBron said in his postgame presser, he said, as long as Anthony Davis and I have been here, this Nuggets team is the best team that we've seen. They are a complete team. They play well together. Everything revolves around Joker. Um, you know, they're well coached. Michael Malone is a good coach. So this is going to be different in the finals with Malone and Spo. It's not going to be the heavy advantage that Spo has enjoyed so far yeah. in the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting, but it's looking like Heat and Nuggets. Um, some people will say, oh, Lakers Celtics would have been much better for TV ratings. You know what? I'm actually really excited about this. And I think it's going to be high level basketball. These guys are going to get after it. The coaches are going to make adjustments. I see it as a six or game, seven game series. And uh, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, you know, new blood. I love seeing some new teams in there. I think Denver, Miami will be a fun series. I agree. You got two great coaches, two great fan bases, uh, you know, some star power from both teams. So, yeah, I think uh, if Miami can get it done tonight, I'm all in for the finals and uh, I will be watching. I agree. I think six or seven would probably be about right. So that'll be fun. Well, another thing I'll mention, one of the all time blunders, the Philadelphia 76ers choosing Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler a few years ago. Look at Jimmy Butler now. He goes to Miami. This will be their second NBA Finals appearance in four years. Pretty good. Yeah. This guy makes everyone better. He wants to win. Can he be a little ornery because he wants to win? Yeah, guess what? MJ and Kobe were pretty ornery too because they wanted to win. So you'd rather have a guy on your team who wants to win is a little ornery and holds people accountable than – a guy who just doesn't show up like Ben Simmons. So that's going to go down as one of the old-time blunders, uh, the Sixers choosing Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. All right, Griggs, NHL playoffs. Everyone's talking about the Miami Heat, but how about the Florida Panthers? Yeah. They're up three games to nothing on the Carolina Hurricanes. They're on the verge of the Stanley Cup. They were an eight seed. They took down the number one Boston Bruins, who had the best regular season in the history of the NHL. So I don't know what's in the water in South Florida right now, <laughs> but man, the Heat and the Panthers are drinking it up, 
and it's resulting in very good things. Take your talents to South Beach. Apparently, that's where you got to go. <laughs> but yeah, no I think kidding. Florida is just, uh, I mean, I'm a hockey guy. I've been watching all the playoffs, and they are just clicking. I mean, that team, again, just like Miami, they're, yeah. they've come around each other. They're pumping each other up. The crowd's going crazy. They're winning on the road. I mean, it's just incredible. They are a fun team to watch. Came out of nowhere. Like, no one would have had these guys going as far as they, I mean, they're up 3-0. They're most likely going to be in the Stanley Cup final. And, uh, and, and then Vegas, they're up 2-0 on Dallas. I mean, that's kind of, a, that's an upset too. I mean, it's just a, a Vegas, Florida would be a fun Stanley Cup. That'd be a different one for sure. I'd be a lot of sun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hockey is a cold sport. Right. Uh, how about Vegas and Florida <laughs> yeah. as your locations for the Stanley Cup? It's that funny. is pretty, pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, look at what Vegas has done since they came into the league just a few short years ago. You know, your Kraken had a really good year this year. So it's interesting how these teams that are new can come in and make an immediate impact or a team like the Panthers, who is an eight seed taking on the one seed has made quite the impact on the playoffs. So again, this is why we play the games, right? Right. right. Like we play the games because it's not played on paper. Uh, the Miami heat at one point were 200 to one right before the start of the playoffs when they had lost to Atlanta in the plan. And they were down uh, with five minutes to go against the bulls in that second play in game. They were 200 to one wow. to win the NBA finals. Better odds now. By the way, I have to gripe about something. Like, who's doing ESPN's analytics? ESPN's analytics after the Heat won the first two games in Boston still had the Celtics as the favorite to win the series. And they had the, the Heat as the underdog on their home floor in game three, which I think they won by like 30 points. Yeah. <laughs> Who's doing the analytics? Usually I say people in Vegas are the smartest people setting the lines and setting the odds. I don't know who was setting the odds in Heat Celtics because I don't know how you go to another team's home floor, you crush them, you come back to your home floor, and you're still the underdog in the series. Like If you look at overall in the history of the NBA, very few teams, if any, have come back from 2-0 down when you lose the first two games at home. Yeah. So, I, again, I'm not sure who's setting those odds. I wasn't buying them all along. No. Um, you know, I've been riding on the heat. And look, I'll be honest with our audience here. I'm really torn if it's heat and nuggets because Declan Bolger is a great friend. He works with Cronky Sports and the Nuggets. And, you know, gosh, wouldn't you love to see him? get a ring after he got a ring with the abs last year on the NHL side. Mm -hmm. But then I love coach Spo. I've been to the Philippines with him. I've been friends with him for a long time. And I think this might be the best coaching job he's ever done this season. Yeah. And you know, I have all the respect in the world for him and for the heat organization. So the good news is Berger can't lose in the NBA finals. <laughs> like whoever wins, I'm going to be happy for but I'll be sad for the loser. So I don't know. I just want to see a good series. And, um, you know, I think we're going to get that because I think Jimmy Butler and Jokic are going to like drag their teammates into performing well and, and, you know, competing hard. I just don't see it going any other way. 
Yeah, it's a fun time of year. I mean, I, I love Stanley Cup. I love the NBA Finals, so I'll be watching both uh, series closely. But I agree. I think, yeah, you can't lose. We got we got friends in both organizations for the NBA teams, so uh, it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully it's a good series. You, you hope it goes six or seven to be competitive and we have some close games. The blowouts get a little bit annoying in the playoffs, so it's fun to have close games all the way down the wire. All right, our last headline. The PGA Championship, Brooks Kapka won his fifth major. The Griggs, the story of the weekend, without a doubt, was PGA teaching pro Michael Block. He stole the show. Yeah. He finished 15th. He made a hole-in-one in the final round. He won nearly $300,000 after winning like $3,000 previous to that. And this was like a Hollywood script. People were chanting his name. He was invited to the tournament this week as a special exemption. I don't know why every tournament wouldn't invite Michael Block. Yeah. This is like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. I mean, he shows up and the fans come out. He's the everyman. Like people can relate to him. They're going to root and cheer for him. If I'm organizing a tournament, I want this guy in the field at my tournament. And think about the pressure that was on him that final round. You're playing with Rory McElroy. You're in one of the final pairings. You're on international TV, and the way he played and the composure he showed, I mean, Griggs, I would have been spraying it all over the place, and people would have been like, all right, there's the Brian Berger that we expected. <laughs> he, he like, faked it till he made it the first three rounds, but fourth round, like, when the spotlight's on and he's playing with Rory, there he is, this dude. You know, his club in San Diego was going nuts. All of his friends were going nuts. The other players, Kepka walks off the course and says, beers are on you, you know, to to Michael Block. Like, I just loved watching it because that's what sports is about, right? Like, at the beginning of the PGA Championship, you're not – no one had ever even heard of Michael Block. Yeah. And then when he gets to do the walk and talk with SVP on – Thursday on ESPN, you're kind of like, oh, this is a really cool story. Like he's the teaching pro, you know, he just wants to make the cut. Um, you know, what a cool story that would be. And that's the cool thing about the PGA championship is like people like him can qualify for the PGA championship. So now he has all these kinds of exemptions. He gets invited back to the PGA championship next year. Cause he finished top 15. Um, you know, again, a tournament like this week, they're inviting him on their own special exemption because they know he's a fan favorite and he's a hot name right now. But cool beans for Michael Block. I I'm really happy for him. So fun to watch him. He had so many of those pinch me moments. You could tell when he hit that hole in one. He didn't even know it goes in. Rory's hugging him. He's like, what? It went in? No way. No way. And you could just like that can't happen. And then, you know, the press conference afterwards and finishing how he finished. And I love how just really was and humbly was and emotionally was when he got the call for the invite for the next tournament. He's just a real guy. He's like, you know, kind of like you and me out playing, like we got the call, we're playing. What? No way I get to play with Rory. I mean, it's just watching him react was awesome. Uh, he picked up another 150,000 followers on IG. He's actually a funny follow too. I love before the tournament, he had all of his Nike boots lined up like, which shoes do I need for the tournament? <laughs> it's just, it's just, I love the real. He's just so, so real and chill. So it was fun watching him. The crowd loved him. And uh, I think we'll be seeing him in the future, too, which is fun. Well, and Rory has seen some things in his career. And he said after playing with Block, like this was one of the most surreal days I've ever had on a golf course. Yeah. I mean, no one even cared about Rory. They were like Michael Block was like Tiger times 100 <laughs> that day. 
and the galleries were following him and everyone was just like, wow, look at this guy who's a teaching pro do what he's doing in the PGA championship. So anyways, I guarantee you Netflix or someone is going to make the movie, but what a cool story. All right. Coming up next, my favorite Peloton instructor, someone I have a ton of respect for. She inspires me every day. Emma Lovewell is going to join us on Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. There's nothing common about you. Not your talent, your drive, your achievements, or even your challenges. You need distinctive financial strategies that match your lifestyle and career trajectory. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment was created to address your specific needs at every stage of your career and deliver the financial education and strategies you need to help advance your game plan. They speak the language. They know your business. Morgan Stanley will work with you to achieve your goals. I've trusted Morgan Stanley with my personal wealth management for almost 20 years. Visit Morgan Stanley at morganstanley.com backslash GSE. That's morganstanley.com backslash GSE. Now back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Emma Lovewell. She is the founder of Live, Learn, Lovewell. She's a Peloton instructor. She's an Under Armour athlete and an all-around health and wellness expert. She is the author of the new book, Live, Learn, Love Well. It's available at bookstores everywhere. You can follow Emma on social media at Emma Lovewell, and you can go to her website at livelearnlovewell.com. Emma, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Brian. I love people who take business risks, and you've got... <laughs> One of the best stories I've heard of, of taking a business risk by emailing former Peloton CEO, John Foley, about being a Peloton instructor. I would say maybe one of the best emails you've ever sent, but can Probably. you tell us that story? Yeah. I mean, before that email, though, I had met John Foley, so it wasn't a complete cold call, okay. but... I had met him. I was a model slash actor for their kicks, Peloton's Kickstarter campaign in 2012-2013. And um, the company was brand new, had never heard of them, went to the, it was just a gig. I was like, met the whole team of, you know, a very small team at that time and shot the, the little commercial. It was like, best of luck to you on, you know, went on to my way to teach fitness at multiple other locations. But I just you know, kept them in the back of my head. I was friends with that, you know, Pel I was following Peloton on Facebook. I was mm. seeing all their posts and I started really watching them grow and grow and grow. And I was like, man, you know, maybe there, there's something here. And I was at a point in my career where I was feeling totally lost and not sure what I should do next. And my partner, he suggested, he was like, why don't you just email John Foley, just email the CEO. And I laughed in his face because I was like, what do you, what? Me just email the CEO? Like, are you kidding me? He's like, what, you know, what do you have to lose? And, and that was like some of the best advice because I sent the email, you know, I slammed my laptop shut, paced around the apartment a few times being like, and all I said was, hey, John, you know, remember me from the shoot five years ago? Um, congrats on all your success. Would love to hear if there are any job opportunities at Peloton for me. And you know what? He wrote back in 20 minutes and he said, I remember you. Let's chat. I'm going to have Robin, our you know head instructor, reach out to you. And so that was, you know, 
if you want me to go further into that story, it's it's not just putting yourself out there once. Mm-hmm. You have to do it multiple times because from then on, you know, Robin didn't email me right away. Right. So then I had to email John again to be like, hey, still haven't heard from her. You know, then I did hear from Robin. She was super friendly, but she was like, we're not hiring. So then, you know, it was like one thing after the next where it wasn't, um, it's not just, you know, taking that risk once you got to kind of have to take that risk. I had to take that risk multiple times. Yeah. Being persistent, right? You can't just expect that it's all going to work out the very first time. Yeah. I got to tell you, over the last 19 years, I've had a lot of my inspirations, people I've looked up to on this show. And I put you on that list, Emma. I take Uh, your ride almost every day. And I love that. Much like people listen to this podcast and they may approach me and go, oh, I've listened to your podcast for years and I've never met them, don't know them. I would imagine you probably have the same thing happen to you a lot when you run into people like me who take your rides and, and you're part of my life, whether you know it or not, because I, I really look forward to your rides and I find them inspiring. What's that like for you? Oh, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, I, I'm also I'm like so moved by it. So I, I don't, you know. I, I take the responsibility seriously, knowing that I'm in people's homes and I'm influencing people. And so that's why I really care about what I say and what I do. Um, and then, yeah, but like seeing leaderboard names all the time is so different than seeing people's faces. And so, yes, when, you know, on this book tour, I traveled around the country for a week and I met thousands of people. I met so many people, you know, putting faces to the names, people coming up to me, sharing their story of how, you know, my class has helped them or gotten them out of a funk or inspired them or connected them with their family member because they ride together or whatever their story is. Um, I love hearing about it because it's all so different. And I, I just really get to like see the faces of people and know that I am making a difference. And that's honestly part of the reason why I love what I do. Yeah. I'm interested in process. You pick out the best music playlist for your rides. Walk me through your process for when you're getting ready to teach a class from prepping the music to actually doing the ride. What's that look like? So, you know, we have a whole team, um, production management producers that help make the schedule. So we kind of determine, okay, I love teaching, you know, 90s classes. So we're going to make sure that we're teaching. I'm teaching 90s classes in there. Um, and then we, you know, they schedule if it's a 30 minute or a 45 minute just to make sure that we're having, you know, diversity in what we're offering. And so then when it comes down to the actual class of making the class, um, if I'm teaching a nineties class, for example, I'm usually focused on the playlist first and I'm like diving into, you know, music that I haven't heard. I'm trying to find tracks I haven't heard in a while or that are going to make people like either laugh or sing along or feel something. And then I kind of make the class plan after the playlist. So I'll be like, okay, this was like a really intense song. Let's do intervals here. This Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, And I program it that way. But if I'm teaching a climb ride, for example, I'm going to think about the structure of the ride first. So I'm going to think, okay, I want three climbs in this ride or I want two climbs in this ride. And then I go pick the songs for it. So it kind of depends which class I'm teaching, determines whether or not I use the music first or the class planning programming first well and i love you've got a dance background obviously i just love you know you'll dance on the bike every once in a while like you just have a really fun way of doing the ride because some of them can be really hard and i'll I'll tell you i'm not on the leaderboard that you're gonna see like i you will not be looking up and seeing uh sb radio b burger my my peloton handle on the leaderboard but 
it's great. I sweat like I don't sweat doing anything else when I'm taking Peloton. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. No, they are really tough. And that's why I think it's, you know, the class is to give you a great workout, but it's also to entertain you and to right. like distract you a little bit from the hard work. And some classes, sometimes I'm better at that than other times. Sometimes the music is really the thing that carries you and it allows you to kind of get out of your head. What's it like when you meet your inspiration? I saw that you met Joanna Gaines. I saw that you met Oprah. Um, these are people that inspire you. What's that like when you get to meet people you look up to? Yeah, I mean, I met, so I met Joanna Gaines and I had known from her team that she takes my rides as well. That's and awesome. So, <laughs> right. And so I met her and, um, and I was like, oh my God, it's so crazy to meet you. And she's like, I know, right? Like, cause she's also we're like i see her on the screen she sees me on the screen so right. we kind of like this like reciprocal reaction but i also know so many people come up to her and probably say the same thing where they're like oh my god seeing you in real life is crazy and people say that to me too so it was like a funny um you know she's like you know i've taken so many of your classes and i'm like i've watched i've been, been inspired by so many of your designs and tv shows and and all that so um it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I mean, because I've also met people that have not taken my class before. And so I'm just the fan. <laughs> I'm like, I see you all the time. And they're like, cool. Um, but it is pretty cool when it's reciprocated like that. Yeah, I saw recently you threw out the first pitch at the Boston Red Sox game, which is amazing. And you did um, something on social media with Pedro Martinez for him to yeah. give you some tips on how to throw yeah. the first pitch. That's pretty awesome. That was very awesome. I um, I will say I'm like a pretty like fair weather fan because <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts, grew up there, went to college there, was in college during the 2004 World Series when they won. Um, and then I moved. I've been in New York for like the last 12 years or something. And so um, don't talk to me about whether, you know, what fan I am or whatever. I'm, I'm kind of a mix of everything. Um, but to meet Pedro Martinez, who was like, the pitcher in 2004. And that was pretty surreal. I, um, you know, got asked because I'm a, you know, Massachusetts girl to throw the first pitch and help promotion and, and help to promote my book. And a friend of mine had the connection with Pedro because I was like, I need tips. Like I haven't thrown a baseball in years. <laughs> and, um, and you better believe I was practicing. Like I bought a baseball on the internet we didn't even have a glove. My boyfriend had a lacrosse stick. So I'm literally pitching to a lacrosse stick <laughs> and he's rolling it back to me. Um, but my friend made the connection with Pedro and was like, you need some tips. You need some advice. I've got the perfect guy for you. And uh, he was awesome. Like, I, I, if you you know want to watch the interview, it's on my YouTube. But uh, he was just he loves Boston so much. Like you can see it and hear it in his voice. Yeah. Uh, so that was a pretty surreal experience. I bet. And although you teach classes in front of tens of thousands of people, that had to be a nerve wracking experience, right? I haven't been that nervous <laughs> since I was probably like in junior high. Like I, I was so nervous <laughs> because and as I was practicing, there was like a 60 percent chance it was the ball was going to go where I wanted it to go. You know, like. I'd feel good. I'd be throwing. And then all of a sudden there'd be one that would just go like way off. And I'm like, oh, my God, that can't happen. Of course, I watched all the videos of like 50 Cent, Steve right. Aoki, oh 
all the people, you know, Fauci, like all the people who totally bombed. And I was like, I can't be that person. Um, so I was very nervous. There's 35,000 people at Fenway. Yeah. And what? you know how it goes, like sports fans are awesome. Right. Unless you mess up. <laughs> then they'll boo you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What's the most amount of people you've ever had for a live ride? So I think the record, I think Robin holds the record. I think it's like 50,000 people for a live ride. Um, I don't know what mine is, though. I feel like mine's got to be like 30,000, yeah. 30,000 or something. I think it might have been. It's always like a specialty ride, right? I think it was when Allie and I did a dual ride. Uh, we did a Harry Styles ride together. I feel like that might have been the max. Um, but, you know, to give you some, you know, scale, when I first started at Peloton, I had 2,300 people on my leaderboard in 2017. And that was the most that had ever been on a live ride. Wow. I, I had like set the record when I, it was my premier ride. And I was like so overwhelmed. Now that's just like, that's like a regular Tuesday, you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to talk to you about your brand because I, I see it being so authentic. You know, you do Peloton, you do home improvements, you do gardening, you do cooking, all of these things. And I feel like it is all natural. Like it's not a forced brand. A lot of people try and force their brand. Do you have any tips to our audience on like, what's the best way to, you know, be authentic to your brand? I mean, I just like those things. So yeah. I'm like that. I was like, I just found what I like and what I naturally do, you know, started talking about it a lot on social media. And then you find, then the people gravitate to you that are also interested in those things. Right. And then they encourage you to talk more about those things. And so for me, being in fitness and wellness, you know, fitness and movement is so much a part of me and my lifestyle. But there's so many other aspects of me that also have to do with wellness. The fact that I love to cook or garden, um, like all of those things to me incorporate wellness. So I love and, and so, you know, people take my class all the time um, and then I'm sharing, oh, here's a recipe that I love. Here's what I love mm -hmm. to cook. And I think that that just like makes a more well-rounded sort of perception of what wellness can look like. Um, so yeah, it's just like listening to yourself and, and paying attention to what you like and then putting it out there, knowing that your people will find you. There right. are people who don't give a shit about cooking or home renovation and that's fine, <laughs> you know, but there are people who want to hear about that and they'll, they'll come find me. Yeah. No, I think it's great because, um, I think it humanizes you too, right? Like you're not just a Peloton instructor. You're a person, you have these interests. And frankly, I found with athletes over the years, it, it draws you to them closer because you feel like you know a little bit about them as a human. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much about an athlete outside of the sport that they play. You know, there's so much, you know, family and like lifestyle, morning routines, like all these things that, are part of their success, but you don't get to see it necessarily, you know? And so then when you get a little glimpse of it, sometimes you can relate or sometimes it inspires you or encourages you to, you know, change your lifestyle a little bit or get curious about, you know, these other things. So yeah, I, I understand that. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. 5G is here. Is your stadium ready? 
From an immersive fan experience to efficient game day operations, 5G is transforming sports and entertainment. If you're ready to jumpstart your 5G transformation, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is one of the largest operators of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. They provide stadiums and arenas with state-of-the-art 5G networks and support teams across the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, and NCAA. I'm constantly interacting with sports executives, and the reason they love working with Boingo is because Boingo manages 5G and Wi-Fi networks end-to-end, offloading very stretched IT teams. Whether your stadium is looking to support mobile ticketing, cashless payment, or connected operations, Boingo has you covered. But don't just take it from me. Their customers include world-class venues like Soldier Field, State Farm Arena, Petco Park, and University of Louisville. Boingo in 5G. Now that's what I call a win-win. For a limited time, Boingo has a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. They're offering a free 5G assessment for your stadium or arena. To get started, simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. One of the things I like is you take your cat on your stand-up paddleboard. I stand-up paddleboard and bring my dog on my stand-up paddleboard, but I love uh, stand-up paddleboarding. Oh, same. It's like the best. I I, um, used to live on a lake. I don't anymore. And so that was like one of my favorite things to do in the morning is just to paddle for, you know, 30 minutes or something. It's such a great way to start my day. All right. I want to hear about your book, Live, Learn, Love Well. A lot of people think about doing books, but it's just such a huge project. They It overwhelms them. How did you get over the hump to write this book? And um, it's gotten a great response so far. Yeah, I think it's, um, it was because I was naive. I didn't know how much work it was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, That's wow, how if I, I would have done this, I wouldn't have done it. Honestly, no, I, I, I would still do it, but I, wow, it is a lot of work. And I kind of went into it with like a little ignorant <laughs> to be honest I didn't totally know how much um but I also love learning new things I love learning new things about myself I love a challenge so to me I was like I don't totally know how this is going to go I don't totally know the process of writing a book I've never done it before but I have a great team I have people I can ask questions to um and I you know, like a challenge and I like a level of risk. And so like, let's, let's go for it. But it was definitely, you know, especially a memoir style book where I am hashing through, you know, reliving, re-experiencing some past events in my life, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about my parents' divorce, calling my parents individually to, you know, ask them how they remember it, calling my brother to see how he remembered it. Um, going through, you know, my mom's cancer diagnosis, all of these things was sort of like, I'm like resurfacing all these, uh, it was kind of like going to therapy a little bit. Yeah. Um, So in some ways it was very healing too, because I I got to have some nice conversations with my family that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have had, but I I couldn't have done it alone. You know, like I did, there was a year and a half to two years it took me to write this book and um, having, and then not even just the writing of the book, but 
the promotion of the book right. is its whole other thing that like took over my life for basically a month. I'm like just coming off of the tour. So I'm like winding down a little bit, but um, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it like with, without all of my team, my, my assistant, my partner like came and traveled with me to every location, um, setting up book signings, all that stuff is it's a lot. I even saw your partner, Dave, interviewed you on stage in Chicago. I love that. Like, who knows you better yeah. than him, right? What, what a totally. great person to ask questions. That was a funny experience for us. Um, I think that, you know, I had had I had Cody Riggs be, be the moderator of my New York event. I had actress Judy Greer um, in L.A., you know, both have great experience on stage. Dave, my partner, was like, you know, he he actually volunteered. So it's not like I totally forced him to do it. But we were trying to look for a moderator for Chicago and there wasn't just the right fit. And then I was thinking, you know, when he brought it up, he's like, I mean, I could just do it. And I was like, that will actually showcase a different side of me. And it will give people an insight into our relationship a little mm -hmm. bit, which I think might be really interesting for people and interesting for us. And so, you know, we talked about it for like a couple of weeks and then you know, I was like, let's just do it. Let's let's do it. And he did a great job. He was very nervous, um, but he did a great job. And we were laughing on stage like we were, you know, we played a little game of like, how well do we know each other? Where we were trying to like guess facts about each other. And um, he, he did a great job. And I think it definitely I felt more like comfortable on stage, mm -hmm. you know, because it was just I was like, we're just chatting. And uh, so I think so I think that was a really cool addition to the tour. That's fantastic. What do you want readers to take away when they read your book? What would you hope that they take away? I think similarly to how, you know, people feel after they take my fitness class, they mm -hmm. might feel a little more hopeful, um, feel more confident, feel a little bit lighter. I would hope that people would feel that after reading my book because I share my, you know, my failures, my sidesteps, my backsteps, my questioning, and also like ways that I've um, gone through it and, and gone through the discomfort and come through the other side and sharing these, you know, little life tips. So knowing that like success for me was not linear. I took a lot of sidesteps, backsteps. I questioned a lot of what I was doing. And so I think if somebody's reading this book and they're in the similar space where maybe they're feeling like they're questioning or they're a little bit lost, um, I hope that this book makes you really um, also own that Progress, not perfection, which is the subtitle of the book. Mm -hmm. Progress, not perfection. It's showing up and making those st little steps every single day that can create big change. Um, yeah, that's that's what I hope. Well, it's a great book. Like I said, it's gotten great response so far. So I'm sure people are going to love it when they read it. Uh, you were an Under Armour athlete. I'm always amazed. Like the Peloton instructors have become rock stars. Like you guys are doing so many different things. You're doing deals, yeah. you know, outside of Peloton and so many opportunities have come your way. Tell me about the Under Armour partnership. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> funny enough, you know, I moved to New York City to be a professional dancer. So I was auditioning all the time. Uh, and then I got into fitness modeling because I was an athlete. I remember going to an audition. It was kind of like dance slash modeling for a commercial. And, um, they were like, Hey, do you know how to juggle a uh, soccer ball? And, um, I was like, I do actually, <laughs> I grew up playing soccer. And so I did that and I ended up booking the job and I was like, wait, this is amazing. Like there's this whole industry where, you know, they need models, actors, 
uh, dancers who can, you know, do multiple sports and, and like look good on camera. And so I started doing a lot of fitness modeling. And actually one of the biggest, the biggest first campaign I ever booked was for Under Armour. And this is 10 years ago. And um, I remember they flew me out to L.A. It was like this awesome five day shoot. I'm with other athletes and models. And we had a trainer who was like making sure we're hitting every move correctly. And um, that was my first introduction to Under Armour. And I, I continued to model for them every once in a while on and off. And so then um, when I started at Peloton, Under Armour reached out to me and they asked if I wanted to be an Under Armour athlete. And I'll say that. Um, you know, it didn't happen right away. Uh, it took like a year of, you know, back and forth and figuring this out because also Peloton was super new at that time. Um, and then, you know, it it ended up working out and I've been with them for four years, I think. Yeah. I need to see cool. the Emma, Tom Brady, Steph Curry, Under Armour campaign. How about that? Can we right? make that happen? I yeah, let's put it out in the universe. Maybe we can throw the rock in there too. Cause Oh, that's right. I forgot yeah, yeah. the rock. Maybe the rock, Tom Brady. Uh yeah. Yeah. Steph Curry. Yeah. We could just just put the put the mix. Jordan Spieth. Yeah. 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 Totally. And I Lindsay Vaughn too. Lindsay, Lindsay Vaughn's Vaughn. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Have you had a chance to meet any of the other Under Armour athletes? So I've met Lindsey Vaughn. Um, I've chatted with Michael Phelps. Um but that's it. And they're, they're great. Uh, did I meet, jo no, did I meet Jordan? I think I heard Jordan speak at an Under Armour event, but I don't think I actually met him. Yeah. All right. I know my audience is going to, they're going to want to know this. Um, okay. You post on social media, like you and the other Peloton instructors, it seems like you guys are like best friends. You guys are always going to events. You're hanging out together. It seems like such a, a wonderful camaraderie that you guys all have. Is that, I assume that's real, right? Yeah, I know. People love to ask this question um, because I think we watch a lot of like reality television and we watch how like, you know, <laughs> toxic some environments can be. And y'all, it's just not that way. <laughs> like it is, you know, sure, there's like, you know, some people are closer to each other than others, but I am so lucky that we have such a supportive team. I think we all understand that like one person's success actually equates to all of our success, like rising tides lift all boats. Like we cheer each other on sometimes, you know, it's we have different seasons of like, yes, I just promoted this book and my teammates showed up for me and they were posting about it and they're coming to my events and that's, you know, now my season's going to like wind down a little bit, but then we have somebody else who's going to be promoting something. And so we all kind of just show up for each other in that way. Um, but I also think it's like, you know, when you, when I was a bartender in New York City and I was bartending in nightclubs at, you know, four in the morning and all of my coworkers, we were all doing other things. Like we all had bigger dreams, but we were there. And we got, we kind of just like became closer because we were like going through this, this wild ride together at the bar, you know? And I feel like with Peloton, it's like, we've had a wild ride. We've, you know, like I joined before we IPO'd, like I've been there. We've watched the company do many things, innovated, um, brought, made the team bigger. Like we've just been with each other through so much that it actually just makes us even closer and um, so I just feel like, 
when we're in a room together, like there's nobody else in the world who understands what our job is except for each other. Like our partners don't even understand our, our spouses, our family. They don't even really understand what it's like to do our job except for each other. And so I think that unique experience really bonds us together and creates a level of respect that we all have for each other. Yeah. And I bet your friends that you used to work at the bar with in New York, like they're probably so happy for your success. Like, look at how great totally. you've done. And they're all cr- killing it too. Like one of my best friends, like she's a lawyer now, um, you know, one's an actress, like everybody's like doing their own thing. And it's so cool when we get to like relive, oh my God, remember, you know, yeah. 2010 when we were on that rooftop bar and confused in, about what we were doing next in life. All right. Last question. I am based in Oregon. You cool. were out here doing the scenic ride. Yeah. How does that work? Like, are you just like riding with, you know, bunches of cameras behind you? Like, how does the scenic ride process work? Yeah, it's so cool. Actually, um, we had this awesome uh, production team that set it all up. So we have trailers. They're getting permitting for shutting down roads so that we can ride without cars. Um, They had drones. They had a car with a whole arm and a camera following us, riding behind us or next to us. And it's cool. I, I definitely... I think it takes a certain type of personality to do it, though, because it's it's tough. It's mm-hmm. like I was riding through like a rainstorm slash hailstorm at one point, like the weather was crazy. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, the you've taken the ride, I'm guessing, like afterwards, the footage is stunning. Like It is stunning. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I've been to where you did the ride and yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. How I you took got the one. Um, it. I took Matt Wilper's one in Hawaii and like the waterfalls and the scenery in Hawaii. I was like, oh, my gosh. It, and then the playlist on top of it, there was like some Bob Marley playing in the background. I was like, this is amazing. I, I love our scenic content. Honestly, I think it's so beautiful. Is that like a day or two days, three days? How long is it taking you to shoot that? So we were there for three or four days and we ended wow. up I was there with Bex Gentry. So she was shooting a run and I was shooting um a cycling class but then we also shot a hike together so we actually did a hike the two of us so i think so we ended up shooting three different pieces of content in four ish days yeah emma lovewell founder of live learn lovewell go out and get her book available at bookstores everywhere and on amazon.com follow her on social at emma lovewell emma seriously like you inspire me every day um I'm so happy for your success. And thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. You too. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Your fantasy leagues might be over. You can still play fantasy sports games on Underdog Fantasy. I love playing Pick'em and Rivals. With Pick'em, you can... Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. You can win 20 times your money in a single night. You pick between two and five players to build a pick'em entry. Also, Rivals pits two players against each other. That's a lot of fun, too. It could be two players on the same team. It could be two players from other teams. Points, rebounds, fantasy points. It's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that with NBA games, especially right now. 
Sign up today with promo code SBR and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store. And don't forget to register with my promo code SBR, like Sports Business Radio, to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 plus and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks to the Sports Business Radio team, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, Colby Ackerman, and from our friends at CG Sports, CG Young and Nicole Wardle. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.